Greetings, friends and gentle hearts. We survived our trip to Brigadoon, and now we're back for yet another episode of Carnival of Randomness, your antidote for nerd culture and weekly inoculation of reality. I'm Zach, joined again by Rob. From a galaxy far, far away. Oh, you owe George Lucas a nickel now. And actually, today we are coming to you live from the Chamber of Commerce here, rec room here in Astro City, and today we're going to be discussing indie comics. What do we mean by indie comics? Basically, it's from publishers other than Marvel, DC, and their subsidiaries. Uh, So, you know... Some are big, some are small, but just not Marvel and DC, so not Vertigo today. They'll come. Yeah, that'll come, but we're looking like Dark Horse, IDW... Dynamite, Blue, what was it, Blue Wave, Blue... Blue Cross-Gen, whatever. Yeah, stuff like that. Nothing and, Marvel or DC, that's all. And since we are, we're granted uh, some time here at the Astro City Rec Room, uh, we may as well appease our sponsors and benefactors. So. so one of the first books I want to talk about is Astro City by Kurt Busiek, and I might have said his last name wrong. This is Kurt's basically universe, and Kurt, if you don't know about him, has an encyclopedia knowledge of comics. He is, it's amazing where he gets these things. If you ever read his books like Avengers Forever, what he pulls out of his hat. But Astro City is his little vision of uh, a universe, and it's a take on many characters you might feel familiar with, but he does them a little differently. Jumping Jack is Spider-Man. I mean, Jack in the Box, excuse me, not the restaurant. Uh... The Confessor is probably Batman. There's a superhero that's sort of based on Superman. And what he does differently, he talks like it's you can pick up the book anywhere you like because he does different characters. He even features the supervillains. And sometimes he'll have a storyline that includes them all, but a lot of them are standalone and... Just for example, one of them that he brings up is a day in the life of a Superman-like character. And how do you go through your day with a job, have a life when you hear a cat's out of the tree, you got to go. There's a tsunami, you got to go. So he just really brings a human element to it where it's really enjoyable because you get the background. And it's also the city itself is a star. And you see how people react. How would you react if you lived in a city where aliens are coming to invade? Where And we hope that doesn't happen while we're here. But how would you react when, you know, like crimes being crimes are committed and there's a superhero there? And it gives all that perspective. So check it out. It's really good. Well, and that's and that's the thing. And like um, that's kind of how I began. You know, we talked last week about uh, one of my first early forays into comics was Archie Comics. And, you know, they're still around and they're technically an independent publishing company. I think it's just Archie Comics. But that was, you know, I remember going down to. Uh, you know, our store was uh, in outside of Pittsburgh, Verona News, and they would have all the racks of comic books, the wire racks of comic books back in the day. Yeah, you know, I would go for Archie. You know, who didn't like it back in the day? And <laughs> I know the more late ones, you know, they had like Archie versus Sharknado, Archie versus the Predator, and uh, God bless society for things like that is all I'm going to say. Don't forget uh, the undead version, too, when zombies and everything. Oh, and that's right. There the was... Punisher visited Archie's universe, too. I forgot about that, yes. Undead undead zombies in uh, Archie universe. Poor Jughead. He didn't, he didn't last long. Uh, I'm going to pull a really obscure one out now. In the early 70s, say around 75, 76, a brand came out called Atlas Comics. This was like your WFL of the Comic Book League, where they would hire away people from the main uh, companies to work on their books. And Did you just reference the WFL? 
I think so. I could, oh, my. I think the WHA lasted longer. And it, oh, yeah. it folded after a couple of years, but they put some interesting books out. And what they would do is you would have to work exclusively for them. And I can't remember the creator, but there was a book called The Cougar. And I think it only lasted two or three issues. But it was about a stuntman, and he wore this flashy blue and red uniform. And the one issue is about, it's one of my favorite comics of all time. They're filming, like, in Transylvania or somewhere around there. Get a vampire movie, and guess what? You'd be shocked. A real vampire appears. No. And he has to deal with them. And I just really liked the book. The setting was, like, fun, and it was kind of a different concept at the time. And they did a lot of other things, like Planet of the Spiders. It was, like, these vampiric spiders. And the company folded, but if you can find them, check them out. They're really exciting. Well, that sort of thing. And, you know, I know uh, I'm because you mentioned it to me a while ago, I'm going to look for Astro City because I'd never heard of it. Yeah. And, and you can go anywhere you want with it. You don't have to start at the beginning because it's so episodic. So if you step in, say you get a trade out and your library is your friend, and if you like it, buy it. Uh, you could start, say, issue 25 and get an idea of what's going on. So don't worry about uh, starting at the beginning if you can't find the first issues. Well, and that's the thing. And I, I know this one is going to be a very you-heavy episode because you're more into the independent comics than I ever was because once I really started getting into comics, mine I went to like the big flashy Marvel and DC ones. But I guess technically, you could say really my first foray into cartoon in print form would have been you know the Sunday comics or you know Calvin and Hobbes and even the Far Side. I I don't know if you could classify it as a comic book, but it's that whole you have to remember thing. You have to remember a lot of the that's where it came out of. Like Stan Lee was greatly influenced by the works of Walt Kelly. A lot of them are. If you ever get the original uh, Windsor McRae's uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, and a lot of these, that's what they came out of. Comics came out of the pulps. They came out of this. So in a lot of ways, it's like, who made who? But Neil Gaiman once said, and I bring Neil up a lot because I like him. Because he's awesome. He said he, uh, he's done independent comics. He's worked for the big two. And he said, don't always think that just because you're independent, they're good. We'll find you the good ones. But the, he said he always got his royalty checks from Marvel and DC. Now, when he did some other work, they screwed him over, so always with a grain of salt. Just because it's not one of the big two doesn't mean it's great or the big two are bad, even though they do put a lot of, as Zach would say, piles out. Well, and that's the thing. You can't put out comics for as long as they do and have all of them be a hit, pretty much. No, not every book when it goes over 300 issues is going to be great the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So one of the ones I'm going to bring up now, and any of you out there, if you want to write to our page to help us, because I like this book, but I'll be honest, I still don't know the concept completely, is Grendel. It's by Matt Wagner. Oh, yeah. And the best I could say is it's based on there's a warrior spirit called Grendel, and it invades the bodies of certain people because the character has been a person called Hunter Rose. It's been female, male. It was a werewolf at one point. It was a boy. It was called Grendel Warchild. It was a 12-issue series. And I admit, I liked the series a lot. But for the life of me, I still don't really know what the concept is about. So, so you could be ignorant and it's blissed sometimes, but yeah. I still like it. So find us on Facebook, Carnival of Randomness. And please, for the love of God, help us to understand what Grendel was about. Very loosely based on the Beowulf, I would imagine. That's, I don't even know that. That's the first That's thing, the thing. I thought. I, don't, I mean, I read it. I don't, I don't know. Like, is it? Or was it just a random name they picked? Because there's a Grendel, and I guess Wagner said one time that there's been a lot of incarnations of Grendel, but I still don't know what it's about. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to throw out one of mine. Um, it's like the Bobbles of Philip K. Dick. 
Oh, God. Yeah, if anybody can explain to me what the end of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep was about, please. I got nothing. I read it twice. I don't know. That and, uh, oh, God, any other book that he Paul wrote. Or Eldridge, Eldridge, Paul. Oh, Eldridge. I can't remember. One was from The Strain, but, yeah, I, I don't get it. But I'm going to throw one out there for you. Uh, it's a Dark Horse book by Steve Niles, Criminal Macabre. I liked it. I got it as a gift just out of the blue, and then I started reading it, and I'm like, you know what? One of the omnibuses. Is that how you pronounce it? Omnibus? Sure. Om- omnipotent bus? But in any event, he's kind of he kind of smacks to me. Omni-Uber these days. Yeah, right. He kind of smacks to me of uh, a Constantine type. You know, the a- slight anti-hero, drunk. Is he drunk or a drug addict or both? Both, I think. I think it's both. But, you know, he uses uh, demons and ghouls and ghosts and goblins and whatnot to uh, to solve crimes. And the cops hate him. Yeah, and they many... don't want anything to do with uh, with good old, uh, what's his name, Cal McDonald. Yep. But that, that one I've always been interested in. And I always like Dark Horse as a publisher. They have some interesting Steve stuff. Steve Nile is very, is very old school horror. I mean, he, does, he did one called... Uh, Big monster in Japan where there's just like a Godzilla type thing running around, but he didn't call it that. And all of you are probably familiar with him because of 30 Days of Night. And sadly, if you saw the sequel, oh, Jesus. you probably don't like him a little bit. But. but speaking of 30 Days of Night, that brings us to another publisher. I think it's Dynamite. And they do basically uh, um, film adaptions or adaptions of films. So like 30 Days of Night. Uh, didn't they? All, I think they also did. Oh, they uh, did Lone Ranger. Did Lone Ranger. Uh, ba- Babylon 5, Battlestar Galactica. If they, if if there's a TV show or movie, comic book, pretty good chance that it's probably from Dynamite, I would say. And they do a good job, too. No, they do. I, I The 30 Days of Night comic, I think, was a lot better than the movies. Yeah, yeah, and they actually he continued it with Dark Days and a lot of others that were good. But speaking of monsters, I'm going to pull two out of uh, the abyss then. And there's this from Charlton Comics in the 70s, and it was called Monster Hunters. And the other one is, it's an independent comic, and I don't remember the publisher. It was in the 80s called Mr. Monster. And what they were, were they were anthology series. And the first one had a guy who looked like Teddy Roosevelt, and he had a vampire assistant. And they would tell stories. He would be in the story sometimes. Like one time he hunted a werewolf on a mansion, but they would do anthology horror stories, and they were wraparound humor. But one of them sticks out where... It was about the Loch Ness monster, so they can't find it. It's a hoax. It's a hoax. So they look on there. It's a duck. It's like a decoy. That's what it was. And the guy goes, "That's a decoy." Then the monster pops up and eats him. It's nice. But then in, in Mister Monster, this is another one where it's anthology, and one of them was about a talking bag of blood, and they were just done. And it was they used to give you three D glasses too, which was kind of neat. Well, and um, you know, and then I got into uh, Tales from the what was Tales from the Crypt based off of. I can't read that. Oh, yeah. And then actually, speaking of, uh, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, the Tales from the Crypt, what were the original EC books? EC Comics, and they were, I think they were banned afterwards for subverting the youth, but they were EC. There were Tales from the Crypt's Vault of Horror. Vault of Horror is another one I remember seeing. I never actually, although I did get the, thank you, eBay, shameless plug to eBay, even though they're not giving me anything. Uh, I got the complete uh, Tales from the Crypt comics. The heart, you know, the big hardcover things. And they just, 
uh, they're they're just fun. They're goofy. They're col- they're colorful. They're kind of like and us. the art's really good. And there's a lot of like Basil Wolverton, Wally Wood. These guys who, if you ever check out, there's a book called Wolvertoons where these guys is the art is fantastic. Guys like Joe Orlando wrote to them for them and everything. Well, and, um, Rob pointed out one to me that I I liked was it's called Just a Pilgrim, and that one uh, holds a very special place in my heart <laughs> because a while ago we met uh, the cover artist for the first issue joe jusco and i i witnessed him by a ton a stuffed tauntaun head but that's for another story for another day but i remember telling him i had the issue the cover that he drew and he's like oh which one was it was the the guy falling off the cliff or the one getting shot in the face with a shotgun (laughs) and that's like oh it's the Guy getting shot in the face with a shotgun, so I gave it to him. He looked at it and he just kind of chuckled. Was like, you know, I've never signed one of these before. Yeah, and like, well, there you go. So maybe now I have. And, a, and the book is an interesting. If you've one. ever read Garth Ennis? It's got that dark humor where the Pilgrims like this guy who's way too takes religion way too seriously. It's a oh, post-apocalyptic yeah. world, but it's it's fascinating, and that's the thing. And why a lot of people, oh, I love comics with the, you know, and sometimes gratuitous violence is okay. But you can get away with a lot in print, even more so than you can get away with, like, a cartoon series. You know, I, I, I don't know. There's a, there used to be a comic imprint called CrossGen, and some of us would argue about it because they would have, like, more sordid saucery, and you get those people out there who are pure comic fans going, I want to read Dungeons & Dragons. But they had a lot of things. They were interesting. They were based in Florida, and you had to go down and work at the studio. And these days, you outsource everything. Somebody might live in Minnesota, send, you know, fax the stuff in. But they had a lot of interesting books, and two of them stand out. One of them was Ruse. And this was a story about an agent called Archer and Emma Bishop, his assistant. And she had uh, ESP, but they downplayed it as it goes on. And really, it was if you take the Avengers, the Steed and Peel version, not the one with all the costumes, and uh, Sherlock Holmes. They were, it was set in the 19th century, and he was almost like a little bit of the shadow in it, too, because Archer would have Archer's agents who were like guys disguised on the street, and they would solve crimes. It was really neat how they did it. Mark Wade wrote it. He had a dust up with the publisher left. Scott Beatty wrote it. And it was always sort of interesting cases, a little bit of mystery, fun. Emma was great. And the other one was Route 666. And if you've ever seen the TV show Grimm, they stole it, basically. Because it's you about, said that. So yeah. the whole Grimm thing was really It's about this from kid, them? and he could see there's monsters among us. And he could spot them. It's like Roddy Piper with the glasses oh. and they live. And he goes around the country trying to deal with them. And there's like werewolves, demons and everything. Werewolf? And there's one especially, their wolf. And there's especially one that sort of like makes you want to gag a little because a guy tries to save his son. And what the demon does is make him chug six gallons of gasoline. He's not Wahoo McDaniel, so he can't do it. You'll hear that story there, later. Yeah, there's a story for that one uh, later. But, you know, he's dying doing it. But the book was really well done. It was like a road series. But their books were basically good. They did a pirate series. It lasted two issues because then the company folded as a lot independent too. And the Mm. artwork by Butch Geist, like in Sojourn, was really good. And they were done well. And, again, if you see them, you probably get them really cheap. (laughs) Well, I guess on that, uh, something I'm curious about, maybe you know the answer to, as we're talking, it came up. If an if an independent company doesn't last very long, how, do you think a lot of those artists that were able to get their name out enough with 
something they did and move on to another company or maybe even up to a bigger company? I think a lot of like over the last 10 years or so, I think what happened in the 90s is people got too caught up in collectibles. For a while, if you went into your comic store in the 90s, you get like the embossed double cover. And a lot of it was really bad stories. And they try to focus on the art. And people got upset by that. And it was called Black Friday again in the comic industry in the 90s. And what happened was all these companies tanked because it was just too much, too much out there. Not a lot of it was good. So what happened after that is a lot of the main companies in Dark Horse, Image, which is independent, which is big, they would pick up a lot of these creators like Dan Quinn, who did a lot of indie comics. They put him on Doctor Strange. And they put a lot of these creators got work because they saw what they were doing. And they was like, we have to save the industry. People want good stories. And that's what they did. If you build it, they will come. So I think that helps. And you have to get in the door some way. All right. And, and, and speaking of getting in the door some way, that's actually a very good segue to my next one that I was reminded about actually this morning, or not this morning, uh, a while ago from a friend of mine, uh, Axe Cop. A-X-E, cop. Cop with an axe. That's basically it. The point of it, it did become a like a TV series, but it started out as a webcomic. And the whole point of it was, it was by this guy, Ethan, I guess, Nicole, Nickel, and his brother, Malachi. And uh, what it is, is Malachi was five. His brother, Ethan, was 29 at the time. And they're playing around, and he invents this character of Axe Cop, and so his brother, Malachi invents this character, so his brother's like, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a web series, and he did so, and it took off, and eventually, I think they got picked up by Dark Horse. I'm not familiar, how could I, well, I just wonder if he's related to Samurai Cop or Maniac Cop, but while you were talking about that, you keep talking about that one thing, the tick. Oh, God, who doesn't love the tick? The tick was, I don't know, was he a high, correct me if I'm wrong, internet. There were different incarnations, weren't there? Yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong, Internet, but it began as, uh, I think it was a high school kid just started drawing him up, and uh, ultimately it led to the cartoon show, the Patrick Warburton live-action show, and the live-action show on Amazon now with, I cannot remember the guy's name. I don't. I just know that I think he was related to the Flaming Carrot, which I can't talk about because I know the name, but I never read it. <laughs> right. But the tick is just, it's goofy because he's like, at least in the cartoon show, he was an amalgamation of all the superheroes, just overly goofy, hilarious. But, you know, lest we not forget, in the original comic book, which then spawned all of this hilarity, he was an escaped mental patient who I think thought, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, thought he was a superhero, but really was psychotic. It's like Sam Keith's uh, The Max, which was about this guy named Norbert, oh who was a homeless guy. God, there's and a throwback. that's another one where, okay, what was it really about? Was it a homeless guy with the DTs thinking he was a superhero? But now that you mention it, I think you were talking about this one. What did it spawn? Oh, God. Who doesn't love spawn? I think that was what one of the reasons that... Um Image came out. What happened, I guess, was there were a bunch of creators at Marvel Comics in the 1990s, and they were very unhappy about creators' rights. And Todd McFarlane, when he put out Spider-Man, I think it sold millions of copies. Jim Lee's X-Men sold millions. And they were sick of the... So they said, let's junk all this and form our own company, which was Image. And there were... The original ones were Spawn, Youngblood, which Liefeld done. 
Cyberforce, which Jim Silvestri did, What Works, Will Sportorcio, Savage Dragon, which is still going. But yeah. anyways, what's Spawn? Well, and Spawn was just, I mean, what a great character he was. But the cool thing about that for me is years ago, Super Bowl, who was the Super Bowl in Detroit? Super Bowl 40? I don't know. George Steele said Detroit won the Super Bowl. But... Well, that was a mistake on my shirt when I met him. But it was when the Steelers were playing the Seahawks. Yes, I drove out to Detroit to watch it, and it, the the pre you know the weekend stuff. Uh, Todd McFarlane is there because he has the McFarlane toys. Obviously, you know he does movie characters, monsters, and sporting sporting figures. And he was really every year he would release a special figure for that town, and it was a Barry Sanders figure. And I got there too late, unfortunately, to get one to have him sign it. But I was able to talk to him for probably 15, 20 minutes. The guy is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And we were talking, and the the attention to detail he had just about the sports figures really showed why Image and Spawn and all of his toys were so successful. Because he was talking to me about, it was the year Reggie White was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And for some reason, he decided to ask me my opinion on it. Like, what do you think? Should it be, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, Green Bay Packers? I said Eagles. Plus, if you have the man's signature, you won't realize it. Oh, yeah, and then he drew doodled everything on the back of this piece of paper. Like, hey. And a little, little interesting like? trivia about it. Spawn is basically a guy who... Uh, he sells his soul to the devil for some reason. He's made. He's got like a time ticker on his life. Because wasn't he killed? He was, yeah, he a was cop killed in war. Was killed he was a cop or a, a war veteran who was killed. I think he may have been both. But and he bargained with the devil to come back. And in the movie, John Leguizamo plays the violator. That's the name. Yeah, the violator. He's, the a, clown. he's an evil clown. Oh, he, he takes said, the shape of a clown. And he said the movie was horrendous. He liked the movie, but he said he'd be on his knees with his fat suit on for days, and it was horrifying. But he said the movie was good. Uh, I I like the the animated movies that HBO did more than I liked the uh, the movie itself because who was um, who was the who was Spawn in the movie was it Michael well, J. White yes but in the uh, the TV, better than Steel yeah but in the TV in the cartoon series I think it was Keith David was the voice of Spawn and don't touch really, another man's fries. Well, man. Tell us if you know that reference. Yeah. <laughs> if you get the if you get that one, hit us up on the Facebook page. We'll give you a shout out next week. But um, it was just, and it's not so much that he himself, you know, had the powers, but it was his cape. The cape was the power. And it was, you always see those iconic images of the cape flowing when there was no wind because the cape was alive. And it formed anything you wanted, chains, you know, swords, axes, bulletproof. I mean, the cape was his, was his superpower, yeah. I would say. Now, if you want to go to one that's just purely fun, and it's been on a lot of different uh, comic uh, labels. I think Dark Horse has it right now. It's Mike Allred's, uh, and he's the creator of iZombie, which in my opinion, the book's great. But the uh, series is sort of lacking, but what, if you like it, you like it. But his other book that he started out with that got him big was called Mad Men, and it was about... It was about uh, a guy named Frank Einstein. Put that together really quick. Oh, God. Sort of like Dr. Acula. Yeah, Dr. Acula. But he's, he's a man, he wakes up, he's scarred, he's lost his memory, and he might be an escaped mental patient. And he just gets in, he meets these scientists who, if they ever do a movie, they say Penn and Teller are going to play him. And they just go on all these goofy adventures. And the art's very pop art. It's like the 50s. And some of the villains are undead beatniks from the sewers. 
he fights a giant puke in one episode. There's giant robots all around. And it's just, he calls it a hip snapping show. And, and he's just really fun. But iZombie, it's about Gwen Dillon and she dies, she comes back, and then she solves mysteries and she has a yearning for brains. And if you've just seen the series, check out the book. It's a lot better. It's done different. But if the series is good for you, watch that too. But I guess sometimes I get too picky i say we're not supposed to be but if they do it really different from the book well like um what other ones you know to kind of get slightly off topic but staying on topic other series that went to tv shows that we didn't care i didn't care for the tv adaption of preacher oh preacher was just like really bad but i will throw this out i thought i liked i liked lucifer and i'm glad that got picked up again yeah it's very good mike carey even though lucifer was what dc Lucifer is Vertigo. Is it Vertigo? Yeah. Okay. Mike Carey's good at that. I find Mike Carey's a really good writer, and Lucifer is one of my favorite books. We'll get to that at a different time. Yeah, that's a, that, that's but just a teaser for another episode. You can't really write superhero books well, in my opinion. That's all there is to it. Uh, let's see. What else do I got on my list? Uh, another one that I remember, good old uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. It's a Jonan Vasquez. Uh, you might know his name from many other things. Um. I think it was uh, Slave Labor Publications. But Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, it's uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. The main character, Johnny, is a homicidal maniac. He just, he kills everybody. He kills everything. And somehow he ends up in heaven, if I remember. And St. Peter is just so physically ill that he's there, like he throws up. And then I think he meets his counterpart. It's Jimmy the... Do you remember that one? Uh, Jimmy something. Look it up. I got. I can't remember. But he ends up killing Jimmy, and it's just good fun. Good old Johnny the Homicidal it's Maniac. Sort of like Chaos Comics stuff, isn't it? Chaos Comics. Yeah, late, uh, Evil Ernie. Oh, dear. All those yeah. smiley, the evil hair. But Chaos Comics is something interesting because a lot of times when they do these adaptations, they're not good. They did a lot of wrestling comics. They did The Undertaker, Steve Austin, Mankind. And what they really did was they took the characters. They actually told good stories. The Undertaker is able to see demons who are in the ring, and he fights against them. Stone Cold's like a, in a Chuck Norris-type movie situation. But they're done well. They're actually very done well. And then there's Smiley, the homicidal button, who's buddies with Evil Ernie. And then there's Lady Death. Well, Smiley, the evil button. Well, it kind of smacks of rubber, but that's another episode for We're another not time. talking serial killers who kill, like, fruity pebbles. We're talking real ones. Oh, see, has anybody done a comic about that? No, I don't think the so. The literal... Patent pending, patent pending, the I've literal seen, serial killer. I've seen Halloween costumes about it. People have got, like, you know, cornflakes with a knife through them. But if you want to stay about That's homicidal, I think it was on Kitchen Sink, which is now defunct, but it was a, it was a series called Milk and Cheese. It was by Evan Dworkin. And, okay, this is the plot. I'm not kidding you. It was about homicidal dairy products. And there was a milk and a cheese in it. And all they would do is wreck havoc. That would be the story. There'd be like four pages of it. And they would like say the mailman's coming. They would hack him to death. Or they would go in a store and wreck havoc. That's all it was about. Some and they used to love the comedy of Don Knotts. They would sit after they killed people. They'd go home and watch a Don Knotts movie. Well, some would say that anybody with a lactose intolerance, all dairy products are evil, evil killer demons. But, you know. That that's a serious thing. Sure, I'll let you borrow. I'll I have it never, I have never heard of that. My See, God, we always learn something new. But that sounds interesting. Uh, then another gem from my youth. 
I really, I got into the cartoon first. It was the old school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I know they're still around now. They're owned by, I think IDW publishes them now. But the old school from the early 80s, which was by Kevin Eastman, still is, I think, to the best of my knowledge, uh, was Mirage Comics. And you know what? Might be Eclipse, but I'm not sure. And you know what? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what more can you say? They're self-explanatory, although the... The book I found uh, in a mix pack was, uh, if I can remember the title correctly, Geriatric Gangrene Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu Turtles or Hamsters? Gerbils. Gerbils. That's a Jiu-Jitsu Gerbils. Uh, that's a mouthful, but think about that. But that another one that uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really spun off into everything. You know, you had everything. You had the, movies are still coming out today. They've done six, 7,000 iterations yeah. of the TV show. And it's amazing because when Eastman did it, it was a small, very low-numbered published black-and-white book that if you could find the first issue, give it to me and I'll buy a car with. And the story goes, uh, it's open for interpretation, but they're not sure if he based it on X-Force, X-Men, or Daredevil because the rat in there was like from Frank Miller's Daredevil, it was Stick. Yeah, it was the original was Stick, and then in the subsequent series it was Splinter. But why did he ever? Was there ever an indication why they named them after Renaissance artists? Uh, no, I'm not huge, huge into it. I just know Kevin Nash was in it playing one. I Super think it, it was in the second one. It was the same one. Vanilla there you Ice go. Did if anybody knows that, did they name him after that just for the heck of it? Yeah, or I, something. Tell us, as we say, we don't I, know everything. Yeah, because I can't remember. I know there has to be a reason that he named them all after Renaissance artists originally. You know, in the TV series, they're like, oh, my four favorite artists, but it just seems a little. It's just, I'm curious. I, I don't know. I'd like to know. But one of the, now this is a big name in comics, uh, Alan Moore. And Alan Moore has been called the Shakespeare of comics because of what he did on Swamp Thing. But he's had his problems after Watchmen. He's had a big falling out with the main companies. And he has his principles. And uh, Peter David, a comic writer, said if Alan Moore is ever broke, uh, it's because when they do movies of his, they, he doesn't have his name on there. And heck, I take the money. I admit that. But he's done a lot of indie comics. And one of he, he had a comic company called Top Ten. And it's actually not called that. Now I forget the name. That's the name of the book. But one of the books he did was called The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And this is a book that you would think somebody would have come up with this concept before. And it's about historical figures in literature who are like a super fighting team. And the first ones in 19th century Britain, they actually end up fighting Fu Manchu and then in the sequel, H.G. Wells Martians. And it has uh, Mr. Hyde, Simon Quartermain, Mina Murray, who keeps a scarf around her neck. I wonder why. Gee, the I Invisible wonder. Man, who he calls Holly Griffin, which is interesting because Moore does his research. And I've never been able to find the Invisible Man's name mentioned in the books. And they go on these quests and stuff. And he's written a lot of them. Now, the movie does not do it justice, as always. I was just going to say it did have the movie. The movie was okay. One thing about the movie, I guess Sean Connery, after doing it, decided to retire. Was that the movie that retired? Yeah, him? that was his wow. final movie. Well, there you go. Yeah, that... okay, the movie, it is what it is. It's no, the not... movie was entertaining. It wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. But the book is so good because Moore does, if you ever get his book from hell, that's his take on Jack the Ripper, and he does uh, the uh, Masonic Conspiracy, and it's worth getting the trade paperback just because the footnotes to it, the end notes are incredible, the research he does. 
And that's he's now he does a lot of different indie comics. Prometheus is a little out there because it's all about he's really into magic and magic working. And it's a little out there for I don't know what it is, but like he's a big fan of NYPD Blue and Top Ten, which was I cannot for the life of me remember his comic book company. It's about a, it's like a sci-fi precinct that's really good. And he did 1963 on Image, which is basically his version of the early days of Marvel. And he has these joke letter columns and a little Neil Gaiman writes into him about the uh, the Dream Man. The Dream Man? Yeah, who gets who that's about. Gee, I wonder. Well, I got two more on my list. I know you've got a bunch more on yours, but I'm going to throw mine out there. Good old uh, another slave labor uh, slave labor comic was uh, Lenore the Cute Little Dead Girl, based loosely off of uh, Lenore the Lenore poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, just kind of a creepy, macabre, undead little girl. I know at some point I got to brush up on these. I apologize. My knowledge isn't as great, but it's been a while. Well, you're young. Well, that too. And I know at some point she marries the Easter Bunny, if I remember correctly. But uh, and it's uh, did he have a nest egg for? Her? Oh God, oh sh- that's just that's just terrible. But in any, um, well that's uh because I originally in speaking with somebody about it, we originally thought it was another Joan and Vasquez, you know, uh, Johnny the homicidal maniac thing. We we're wrong. It's actually Roman Dirge, was the artist behind Lenore the cute little dead girl, and uh, one last one for me, one of by one of my favorite artists, Queen and Country. By um, Greg Rucka. Is it Rucka? Rucka? However you pronounce his name. It's an Oni. If we ever have him on, we'll ask him. Yeah. Oni Press. It's just like a really good, what'd you call it, spy thriller? Oh, yes. It's just very good hardcore like that. Yeah, it's very, very, very good. And Greg Rucka, we'll talk about him in later comic episodes because he went on to do, I think, the best iteration of Wonder Woman. I agree. that That has ever been published. Well, I have one. I'm gonna. It's gonna be more general than the other ones. Where whatever we are, we are random. But if anybody remembers the old Gold Key comics, they used to do Star Trek. But years ago, Jim Shooter started a company, and what they did was they took them all: Solar, the Man of the Atom, Magnus, Robot Fighter, Taruk, and they did stories with them. And now Dynamite does them too. They do a new Wait, Solar, Turk, the Dinosaur Hunter. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And, I, I was gonna say I have a few Dynamite comics of. Turok. And Tim Truman, who's a really good artist, used to do Turok, and he would fight all these raptors and everything. But the books got really big for a while, and then that folded. Then after that, they went on to Dynamite Stun a lot. They did a new Magnus where they do a different spin on him, where it's like M. Night Shyamalan would say, the twist, where... uh, it turns out he might be dreaming because he's in present day and then he's in the future with all robots. And he does Solar, which happens. Solar gets sucked up into the microverse and his daughter takes over. She's the daughter of the Atom. And they're really good spins on these characters. And they're very good characters. And it just shows you when they're there, use them. They're very good. Well, and that's another thing that, you know, we I've always found fascinating about comics and I, I will argue with people that say comics aren't books. You know, it's not worthy of being read. Well, you know what? I think comics got a lot of people really into reading and really into artwork. And I, I think really into other subjects because you and I were talking the other day. You you see something about, you know, science and astronomy. You want to learn about it. Yeah, and when, I was, about. when I was growing up, first thing I did with comic books is... 
I would look at the pictures and follow the story. Then I started reading. Then it's the beast from the X-Men, Hank McCoy. He would quote Shakespeare. You get some comic character who's traveling the cosmos, and I want to learn about this. Right, and now with uh, the popularity that Wonder Woman had with the movie that came out a while ago, you got to wonder. How many people are now getting into Greek mythology? But I still wonder, though, and he's not independent or anything, but I still wonder, okay, you get bit by a radioactive spider. Wouldn't the webs come out of your rear end? When you, you, I don't think that lends itself too much to a comic book. And I think if you got gamma radiation, you might die, but let's let's have the suspension of the police. You you wouldn't hulk out. You'd lose your hair, but uh, in any event, you got any more on yours? Oh, uh, I don't know, but I think I hear the Conquistador coming. I want to talk about Coyotes, which is a really good book, but I think yeah, we might we get to that. we may have to wrap that. it up because he's coming down the hall and, uh, for you know, let's that we're going to have to push that one back to another day because mm-hmm. guess what? This won't be our last comic and book Maybe episode. we can have some of the creators of it on. Who uh, knows? Uh, you never know. More random things have happened. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sometimes, you know, have the veal. We'll be back next week. Do you have any yeah. reservations? Only about the veal. Well, I guess that's going to do, do it here one more time for Carnival at Randomness. Brought to you in part. We're going to wrap it up and, real quick. And I'd like to say, too, if any of these sound interesting, many of them are available at your local library. And if you enjoy them... Help them out. Help the artists out. You know, buy them. That's yeah. what I do because if they stink, some of them they can't afford everything. But these are really good. Trust me. And once, you know, the blog is really up and running, I'll post links to all the comics yeah. that we discussed here so you can check them out for yourself. But Carnival of Randomness brought to you by Horatio's Riddle Cloud. Not the fake electronic cloud. We literally come and rain jokes down upon you. So the Conquistador has turned the corner, so... For all of us here at Carnival of Randomness, join us next week to see what other random crap gets thrown around. And uh, I guess for all of us here, that be that. Bye-bye. Thanks for all the fish.